0: Thanks for listening to The Idea Fountain. I'm Julie Pilot, and today we're talking to Cassie Petrie of CrowdSurf. Having her as a friend and trusted source the last few years has been incredibly insightful when it comes to discussing our ever-changing world of social media. Not only how best to value the business of social media, how to show up as a brand in social media, but we also talk a lot about how to protect yourself and the talent you work with when it comes to mental health and social media. Sometimes it feels the world can change more in a month than it has in the last two years. It's been a crazy few weeks for social media. It feels like meta is crashing, TikTok's advertising dollars and engagement are down, and Elon Musk and Twitter, whoo, there are no words. A friend said to me recently, even if somebody were impersonating one of the artists we work with on Twitter, there's no one to call about it. They have fired everyone. I taped this episode of social media with Cassie a couple weeks ago in a different climate. We spoke on Friday, and she was hopeful that there is about to be a social media renaissance. I think the work that she does will be helpful to anyone using the internet, so basically everyone. It would mean the world if you shared this episode with friends or helped spread the word on social. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, please let me know. With that, Cassie... I'm going to let you introduce yourself.
1: I-D-E-A-F-O-U-N-E-A-I-N This is the Idea Fountain. Life-changing conversations. I would love to. So... I always say the start of my career was being a fan of the Backstreet Boys. So that would have been probably, you know, 11, 12 years old was the height of that for me and probably the height of their career too was when I it that way was coming out. Millennium came out and sold over a million copies in the first week. And I never been to a concert before. And I remember probably late 1998, my softball team won the whatever version of our championship was. I mean, it was like a 12 team league, nothing insane, but the owners of the team or the league, they wanted to give whoever won the championship a special treat. So they took everyone to Backstreet Boys concert and we got to sit in a box. And so I'd never been to a concert. I never really, I didn't even really know much about them other than probably their couple songs that had you know, really wide recognition at the time. And I just fell in love with them, but also fell in love with, a bunch of people being excited about music, being excited about the same songs, what's going on on stage. It just instantly feels like a community and I really wanted to be a part of that. So I can't go to a concert every day and at about the same time, and I feel like timing has always been a lot of things for me, but I feel like at about the same time that happened, we were introduced to AOL, the world of AOL. AOL The internet was becoming something that was in everyone's home. And so I really enjoyed um, AOL. I made a zine, what what it was called. was basically like an email list that people could subscribe to. And I would send it out a couple of times a week. And it would have different things about the Backstreet Boys in it. I learned how to code websites and made some fan sites for them. And really enjoyed the process of being a fan. And started becoming fans of other artists and joining other communities. Because I loved that excitement so much. And I was like, Oh, why not? Why would I be a fan of more people? It doesn't that just have to be one. I can have more fun with more artists. So I made different friends. I went to different concerts. Um, I would say my love for concerts grew into a love for travel at the same time and figuring out how to do the logistics and booking that and how to get a great deal in Chicago because I didn't have a lot of money, especially because I was a 13 year old figuring out how to pay for everything myself which I funded by selling concert photos on eBay but that's how I would use my concert photos to fund going to more concerts I thought I think my parents thought you know they made a rule they didn't want to say no to me I think they felt bad so they said if you pay for it you can go so I figured out how to pay for it and then they were kind of stuck which I'm you know I'm glad it turned out that way it was fun it made me learn how to kind of run my own business in a certain extent yeah, to a certain extent like yeah that's
0: where the entrepreneurship really started
1: right? yeah and I, and I had fun with it too I probably you know I obviously love the concerts but I had fun with the other parts too I liked figuring out how to make enough money to go to Chicago to buy a concert ticket and find the cheapest hotel room possible and calculating how much gas I was going to spend like I liked making my little mini um concert budgets you know because it isn't just the concert that's fun it's like the whole experience like who's going with you no do you know the set list or not what are they going to play what do you hope they play what you know hotel are you gonna go to where are you gonna eat the days before and after what do you want to see in Chicago it's the first time I've been like I I, I loved all of it and I just love being a part of the community and I feel like that's sort of evolved to like where I'm at this day it's just technology has changed and fandoms have changed but I feel like I've been fortunate enough to you know, educate myself, and I like educating myself and learning, and I've been fortunate enough to evolve with the trends over time, which, you know, eventually, you know, led me to different music industry roles, and another sort of great moment of timing was when my first year of college, I had uh, secured a role as a Warner Music College rep, and MySpace came out at the same time, and that was another, like, timing moment for me, where I, I looked at it, and I said to my boss, at Warner Music Group. I'm like, why don't our bands, like, why don't major label bands use MySpace? I see bands at college using MySpace. Why don't like big bands do that? And she's like, I don't really know how we would do that or what that means, but I'll let you give it a shot. And I'm grateful for that shot because that shot turned into a career in digital marketing for me where I didn't quite know my path in music yet at that point. But that moment sort of made it Gave me an opportunity to do something before everyone else. And it gave me an opportunity to find something that I I really liked because I wasn't sure if I wanted to do booking or if I wanted to work at a record label or I wasn't sure of my path. And then that whole experience kind of gave me a place to sort of march forward and provide value to artists, which is my ultimate mission and goal at the end of the day is artists have provided me with so, mon- so many great memories in my life in terms of happy memories, but also have had, you know, have music for people when they are sad or feel alone. And I, I just feel like music is so important to like the fabric of everyone's life and artists have a hard job in order to, especially now more so than ever artists have the hardest job of trying to make it in music and releasing music and not getting discouraged about it. So I really have kind of made it my mission to help artists in any way that I can because I think they need the support and I think what they do is really, really important.
0: I I wanna talk about that element of things being difficult and things being hard. But first I wanna acknowledge your passion. Somebody gave me great advice once, when hiring somebody, find out what they're passionate about. Because if they're passionate about bike riding or the Backstreet Boys or truffles and cooking, (laughs) as long as they're passionate about something, they can be passionate eventually about their job and coming to work and championing an idea every single day. And I love that you tapped in to that passion for community and fandom so early on and then it just dominoed into different things, different timings, and eventually a career that had never existed before you did it.
1: Yeah. And I, I love that piece of advice too, because I, I do think it's true. There's a lot of artists that I've worked with over the years that maybe I wasn't passionate about their product, but I could relate and empathize with the people that were, because I had felt that. And and I felt, and I've fallen in love with other parts of working in entertainment that I didn't think I would like, maybe I don't love the product I'm working on sometimes, but I love the manager or I love the talent or I love their fans. Like, I I feel like I can find that energy in different places and in, in projects. And it's kind of interesting how sometimes the most random projects can become your favorite because of that, that you would never have like Thought they would be organically it's it's interesting but that's you can channel that passion to other things when you do have it I agree with that and you can and if you have had it before you know how to identify it in other people and I feel like when you see it in other people that also like makes you excited because you know that they're happy the same way you're happy about something else
0: Maybe that's the secret of why we're friends. I don't know. (laughs) Um, You know, you mentioned it being a really difficult time for artists. And I think I hear a lot of people feeling really challenged right now. Because they say major record labels are overly relying on TikTok metrics for artist development. I hear people get frustrated because of cancel culture or trolls um, people making snap judgments on the internet. Um, and, you know, you see Cardi B coming to tears because Instagram changed their algorithm social media at times can be very hard and then at times it can be beautiful connecting us to people in ways um whether it be to maintain relationships that you can't see people every single day geographically worldwide that you aren't in close proximity to it can help you with discovery or access um what's your general no small question Take on social media these days?
1: It's it's tough because when I started in social media, social media was kind of like the cherry on top of the Sunday, but it wasn't the Sunday. It wasn't what made or break somebody's career. There were still, you know, other things that mattered more in music. Like I feel like digital marketing was kind of like the last thing on the agenda at the record label marketing meeting. And that almost I felt like I was adding extra at that point because it was kind of like these special things that, like, oh, two years ago you wouldn't have been able to message an artist on MySpace, but now you can. This feels special, but now it's moved to a point where it is the Sunday, and not the toppings and not the cherry, and it can make or break people. It can make or it, it really makes or breaks if an art if a record label wants to double down and put more into your marketing budget, it can determine if a record label or partner even wants to release a song. And that, that has created a different sort of pressure than when I started. Cause before it was just like this special added thing that you could maybe, you know, it, you could get special moments out of it. You could, you get a boost in ticket sales or record sales. Cause you were doing something unique that other people weren't doing, but now it's such at the core that I feel like sometimes that takes the fun out of it because it's so important now so it's cool to have seen it become so important but it can create a lot of anxiety especially because we don't know how this thing is made we don't know the algorithm we don't know when a new tool is going to come in and that that can be that could that's really really stressful and it's it's hard for an, an artist to have to like look at those numbers and be in it every day. It creates, it creates so much pressure and anxiety for them. And I don't, I don't envy that. It's, it's not fun. And I, I, I feel for them. And I mean, to a certain extent for me, like I still love it, but there's also things about that aren't as fun to me anymore because people can get really worked up if what you're doing isn't giving them the results they want versus versus before you know when i first started people didn't they cared but not to the extent where like it could be your fault if somebody's single doesn't work or or they could you could get blamed if somebody's career doesn't work there's definitely more pressure on the business side um of it as well and I feel like something has to give at some point because TikTok is important and TikTok can, you know, give certain momentum and certain gas to certain songs or certain artists. But at the end of the day, I think people just have to focus on being an artist and releasing their music and recording their music. And TikTok may give like, you know, some extra momentum in certain parts. But I think if you keep being an artist and keep at it, and not let it get you down and not let it make you stop, you'll eventually have your moment. Um, you just might not know when, but if you keep being an artist and keep sticking with it, I think it'll happen for you. And I think um, a really good example of that is Kim Petrus. Like she's, uh-huh. she's ha- but she's having her moment now with, you know, the wonderful Sam Smith song, Unholy. It's awesome. But she just continued being an artist and she had moments of momentum and moments of being slowed down and, you know, different types of controversies and all those sorts of things. But she just kept being an artist through all of it. If the numbers were good, if the numbers were bad, she still released more music. She still kept being an artist and it's, it's paid off for her. She's having her moment now, but that wasn't over, you know, that wasn't just like two years in giving up. This has been, you know, in sort of the L.A., you know music system you know for six seven years and she before that she was you know doing things in music too it's it's, it's a grind but she kept doing it and that's it, it her moment happened because of that
0: well and also i love um thinking about the con the uh, conversation around different definitions of success because sure there's the charts sure there's likes on social media or trends but like you're saying kim petrus being an artist and knowing who she was and being comfortable with who she was and her identity, I think gave Sam Smith permission to make that type of record where he had made so many songs, right? That, you know, were like these hot AC, you know, ballad smashed sounding big hits but to be able to lean into Kim Petras and experiment with something that is so edgy and so cool, I don't think he would have had the confidence to do that himself. He looked to Kim Petras and with her being so confident in who she was, like was able to feel comfortable in that experiment.
1: Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I think Kim continuing to consistently show up and be an artist is another reason he probably felt confident having Kim on the song because you know who Kim is. Kim is credible. Kim is seen as an artist because Kim shows up and is an artist every day. And that makes another artist feel comfortable putting that artist on a song with them, even though they may not have the quote unquote hits that they've had.
0: Yeah, I think um, it might be helpful for some people to hear how we first got connected. Um, When you know so many people talk about media training and um, traditionally, whether it's artists or CEOs, they'll do media training before they do press or interviews and i was in a situation working in radio with high profile talent who we were leaning on to do the bulk of our marketing and spread the word of our content you think about how much the industry has changed five or ten years ago you would have a marketing team strategizing the commercial spot buy (laughs) to market or promote the product and now a lot of times we just hand stuff to talent and go okay tweet about it (laughs) post (laughs) and there isn't the support strategically for strategy and there also which i think is the most important element there isn't the support and balance um, around mental health and also even around what their brand is right because everybody's social media channel tends to be so personal but then you're relying on talent to promote or advocate for the content you're making what's the balance and so i brought cassie in to work with our team and um and uh i mean can you talk a little bit about those challenges or that balance or um, I mean, I know specifically what we did and I want to talk about one tool in particular, but that has to be something brands are bumping up against a lot and even like, for example, I think it's so interesting when you look at the creator economy that people that are social media stars first, it seems like they're very comfortable posting a lot. But somebody that isn't social first, like a musician, you know, I notice a lot of musicians posting very little, right, but who even is coming up with a recipe of what you should do, like, you know, talk a little bit, please about that tension or balance with being a human on social media, but also being a brand.
1: Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot to to learn. And I, I think here's where a lot of people get in trouble with and getting overwhelmed with social media is that when let's say you have never been to the gym or you haven't been in a long time, you wouldn't go in to like a CrossFit gym and try to like lift 200 pounds. And I feel like what happens is a lot of people make the decision that they're like, I'm going to do more on social media. I'm going to be more involved in social media. And then, so you go and you search, you know, best practices on social media or something like that. And you are provided a list. And the list is the equivalent of going to the gym and lifting 200 pounds with no warm up. I think that that's where people get in a lot of trouble and get overwhelmed and want to back out. And I always believe in an approach of like, if you're not posting at all, let's start and figure out, okay, How do we think about like a couple things a month? How do we get some stories up? How do we go from zero to a little bit? And then you get comfortable with a little bit and then you build and then you build and then you build build at your own pace. Um, But you have to kind of compare yourself to the month before, the couple months before. Am I doing better this month than I did last month statistically? Am I posting more this month than I did last month? Like compare yourself not to others, but to yourself. I, I think it's always a good place To start. And in terms of, you know, your brand, I think that's something that evolves over time. I think as you test different types of content, you figure out what makes you feel good about yourself, what felt forced, and you did it because somebody else did it or because you thought it would get good numbers. And I think you sort of it's also the self-discovery process. You're gonna, you're going to figure out your brand over time. But I think a good way to figure out your brand is to think about your long-term product goals, career, career goals, or whatever you're, you know, you're possibly using social media for. And thinking about, you know, do you want to be an artist? Do you want to be a CEO? Do you want to run a mom blog or whatever you're, you know, whatever you're trying to to be? Like what's your dream? What do you want to do? And think about how each piece of content fits into that that dream. And If you're making a piece of content to chase numbers and not the dream, it's, that's when you're getting in a bad situation because a lot of times you can chase numbers and have really good numbers, but that doesn't mean that that's amplifying your long-term goals. It's not amplifying your brand. In fact, it could be taking away from it because if your most viewed video on Instagram has nothing to do with what you want to be seen for, then you're actually like detracting from your goal versus amplifying it because it confuses people. So it's like, it's making you go on minus points versus having positive points, just because you have a video with a million views or whatever, if it isn't showcasing you and the light you want to be seen, like what's, what's the point. And, you know, numbers don't always equate to like real life success. I've seen artists that have huge numbers and can't sell tickets. I've seen artists who have mediocre numbers and they sell a ton of tickets and people show up to the show and know every song and buy $25 of merch. It, it, no, they're not.
0: Let's also talk about the pressure. So many female artists feel because their most like pictures are the ones where they're wearing the least amount of clothes. Right. And that's not necessarily the fan base for their music. It might get the most likes on the internet, but I've seen that. I've seen plenty of people fall into that vicious cycle.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of, no, and they're, but, and I get why, because they're like, well, this performs, but it's confusing, but that's why you have to be really strong and you have to like, you have to be really strong in your long-term vision and be like, I know this sounds good. I know I'm going to get dopamine. I know I'm going to get the attention I want. I know, I know the numbers might feel good or they might look good. And I might think they look good to people, but I'm attracting the wrong kind of person. But unfortunately with female artists, Sometimes I've, like, when I've started with some people, I go and look at their stats and I'm like, oh God, I know who this audience is. Like, your numbers are great, but they're not the people that are going to come. They're not the people you probably want to come to your concert, <laughs> I think, is a, is, a good, um, is a good way to kind of put it. I don't actually want these people to be near that artist in in real life. So... It's and tough. then
0: you probably regret ever showing this to me because I've talked about it for a four year straight. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought it was such a great tool because there's so many people, whether they're artists or regular civilians that get anxiety over social media because they're hyper focused about what they're posting, how they look. Again, what metrics is going to get but you brought into our team this tool, and I always call it the social media food pyramid I don't know if that's the correct title, but essentially it's if you're going to have 10 posts on social media, um, if you think back to the old food pyramid that had like who knows, it probably had like carbohydrates on the bottom. That was all wrong. Uh, and <laughs> it did. Yeah. And Vegetables and fats and stuff as it went up the pyramid. Talk about the base, the type of content and how we ladder up to promotional posts.
1: Yeah. So I don't have the picture of it in front of me, but I think the concept will stand the test of time forever. And actually a good friend of mine, Ariel Hyde is the one that originally made the original graphic that I used. And this was, this was like at least 12 years ago, if not longer, it, this thing's existed for a long time, but it's one of the pieces of literature that has always resonated with me. And the thing I really liked about it is that it basically, it put you sparingly at the top, like straight up, like selling promotional posts. So it's kind of like for every 10 to 15 posts, you should have one straight sell post. If even, you know, I, I if you can make that Ratio higher grade.
0: Yeah, but (laughs) start at the bottom. So people understand if you have 10 to 15 posts, they're like, what, only one self promotional? What should I be posting? No, what, like, what's the bottom? Like, let's work our way up.
1: Yeah. And I don't even think it's like, so I think the pyramid kind of almost focuses on like actions versus post And so the bot, like, the main base of it is if you really kind of think back to it, social media, a keyword in social media is social. And something that's really important in social media is to not just talk about yourself. When you go to a party, you don't go and just talk about yourself. And if you do, eventually people are going to abandon you or not want to talk to you because you don't engage with them or listen to anything they say or ask them any questions about themselves. So the pyramid kind of reverts back to thinking about other people, which I really like. So you, you know, leaving comments, answering DMs, Um, liking other people's posts, asking other people questions, engaging with their polls, engaging with the questions they ask on Instagram story. But it it really takes the focus back on being a part of a community versus it being a podium where you're supposed to curate a feed about yourself. And I think that's a really important thing to remember. And it's actually a really good place for people to start who have anxiety about social media because they feel like it's self-serving or egotistical, a place to start is, okay, don't post about yourself at all. Just be nice to other people and be supportive of other people. That can be a really great place to start if you don't want to get into sharing or posting your own stuff immediately. So I think that's a good place to start. And then you kind of start layering in, like, you know, sharing, you know, sharing either videos or photos about your life. Um, Maybe not even necessarily promoting something, but just sharing about you, sharing you know, sharing is, sharing is important because if you're dealing with something, other people are probably dealing with it. And it's just nice for people to be able to relate to both good, bad, or or neutral topics. It's the same reason we listen to music because we relate to it or it uplifts us, or it makes us feel not alone. So I think, you know, you kind of layer in photos, videos that are just about, being yourself and about you know contributing to this community that we're all a part of and then you can get you know kind of get to a point where you maybe can layer in you know asking somebody to do something but it's after you've built built a relationship and repertoire with people that you have to you know build up to that
0: yeah yeah I always, I always enjoy that because I know the more time I spend on my phone or on screens, the more fatigued I can get or, um, but like, I do love championing others. (laughs) And uh, I remember somebody saying to me once, um, if you want to support artists, leave comments, but make it four words. Don't just do flame emoji.
1: (laughs) Yeah. that's fair
0: I really like this new song
1: (laughs) yeah that's that's a good point yeah and I think that is a great way to support artists and or sharing other people's content that's a great way to support artists um you know using their song and your content there's you know I, I think the thing that's cool about all these tools evolving it there's there's a lot of different ways you can support artists now which is awesome
0: and how Cassie do you practice best mental health practices as somebody this is your job to be on social media all day. I know that people are so sensitive. Social media can warp people's point of view or perception about themselves. They can easily compare themselves to others. It can it can be really tough. I always feel like super compassionate if all of a sudden somebody deletes their whole account or like leaves the message like hey just to let you know i'm gonna take a break from social media for a while i'm like oh boy Uh, somebody's really taking this again no judgment but like maybe a little more seriously than i am um what what are what are your thoughts how can we support people
1: so one thing i do that I've actually seen a lot of people adopt, so it makes me happy that I tell people about it. I have no notifications on my phone, not for iMessage, not for social media. I have no notifications. So it is my choice when I open the apps versus a notifications choice pinging me to it. So that's one simple thing I did that I think has made a big difference, not just on social media, but on my text messages, which I get 5,000 a day. So my phone would literally lose its mind if I didn't have, or if I didn't have my notifications turned off. So that's one thing I do. Um, Another thing I do is if I notice something is getting a lot of my time, sometimes I'll delete it from my phone and make it so that I have to only check it on my desktop. I feel like that I become a little less of a zombie if I have to do it through my computer or, or, or um, LinkedIn was actually, I used to love LinkedIn like about a year ago and I feel like it's gotten really negative in the past six months. And I noticed, Oh yeah. I've
0: never seen like tea on LinkedIn. I guess I don't do it enough.
1: It's it's, and especially for me being a business person, like I can, I don't know, I can get pretty down about some, some LinkedIn stuff. So I realized that like every note, and I feel like LinkedIn's algorithm, like it's like, I'm gonna show Cassie something that's gonna piss her off. Like, I don't know. it's super like it's super bizarre and like targeted to me in that way. So I actually deleted it from my phone and I just make sure I check it like three times a week on desktop because I do, you know, find I find people to do mentorship chats with there. I find great people to hire there. I, I you know, I, I do connect with people in a meaningful way there, but the feed can be really rough sometimes. So I think just you know, that sort of helped me limit my exposure, but I think it's kind of like when you put like the sweets in the back of the cabinet that make it harder to get to. I try to figure out how to do that for myself and recommend it to other people. How do I, how do I make it? So it's like, how is it out of the sight, out of mind more often? Cause I know I'm going to check it. I'm not going to abandon it. It's my job. Um, but how do I make it so that like, if I'm in a meeting with somebody and I, there's a notification popping up, I'm not going to like, think about what happened on that text thread or that social platforms so it yeah you know, figuring out how to make me not be called to it as much and you know sometimes making it more difficult to access has been you know some ways that have you know helped me and then if you want to go a little deeper than that if something's really bothering me i have a mini version of the four agreements in my bag and i will read it and it will help me realize why something's bothering me and help me calm down but that's like my little book i'm like this this thing is irritating me or making me feel anxious or making me feel bad about myself and I can you know it'll always be at least one of the rules that's being violated and it'll you know kind of reel me back in but that little mini version of that book has helped me out a lot and
0: for those who don't know the four agreements are
1: the four agreements are okay let's see if I can do that let's see if I can say them I feel like
0: the one I can't remember is the one I need to work on
1: yeah that's fair um but it's the, so the last one is always do your best. Um, don't make assumptions. Um, don't take things personally. And oh, the first one is about, um, like, don't like about the word, like, don't say things you don't mean and don't use mm-hmm. the word for gossip. I know I'm saying it wrong, but that's like the concept of it.
0: Oh, always be, um, yeah it's like value your word or yeah
1: but it's about like what you speak in both uh, in out loud and in your mind and I guess on text too
0: okay I'm gonna look just so I don't go crazy um be impeccable with your word
1: yes that's it yeah
0: yeah shout out to my girl Liz and wordiful Words matter. Um, okay. So I have three last questions for you, but they're simple ones. Um, okay. one, uh, you are such a champion of artists and you have so many amazing clients, anybody you want to shine a light on or give a shout out to.
1: Yes, I have. I don't know when this comes out, but, uh, tomorrow an artist that I work with. Her name is Leanna Firestone. She has her, Her first single we're releasing with her coming out called you just didn't like me that much. It's amazing. And it has 15 K pre saves for an independent artist, which I am stoked about. And I just feel like that song's really going to go for her. I'm really excited for her because she's worked really hard to get to this point. So excited about her. And then there's another beautiful song coming out from an artist that we're working with. His name is Carter Rubin. He won the voice two years ago and he wrote this gorgeous piano ballad that is like John Legend quality, in my opinion, and I can't wait for everyone to hear it because it's one of my favorite songs I've heard this year.
0: And I'm gonna give a shout out to one of your artists, Morgan. Yeah. Oh, you yes. With for a long time, I really like him, you know, continuing to grow his trajectory. And um, it seems like he is like right on the verge of busting wide open, but I just love who he is as a person as a, and as an artist too.
1: Yes, and Morgan is working on new amazing music from what I understand and we'll probably have some coming out next year and I'm excited for everyone to hear it.
0: Um, and how do people um, find you if they want to know more, potentially work with CrowdSurf or anything else you want people to know about your business?
1: Uh, DM me on probably Instagram and my, uh, my handles everywhere are at Cassie Petrie, C-A-S-S-I-E, P-E-T-R-E-Y.
0: Oh, you are so generous just to say DM me on IG. I can't even imagine what goes down in those DMs. (laughs) Um, And then lastly, uh, any social media predictions? I know earlier this year... There were a couple different things raising their hands. I don't even know if you know this, but like early days, Cassie was one of my only friends on Be Real. And then our family got COVID and I got so mad that I had seven days of me just being sick, miserable in my pajama was with lame pictures. I like quit Be Real.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I love a lot of aspects of Be Real, but I feel like when you kind of, aren't feeling like, I hate that I can't see what other people are posting if I don't feel like posting that day. So that's something that can kind of, I think people, I think you love it until that moment and then you, and then it kind of like knocks you off that flow. So I'm curious to see how they'll evolve though, because I do love the, uh, the concept of the two cameras. I think that's really cool. And I like the concept of everyone, you know, gets a notification and it kind of encourages you to not post more than once a day. There's a lot of aspects I really like, but I think there's a couple things that, I think would need to be worked out in order for it to like really have the same traction as an Instagram or a TikTok. Um the other app that I actually can't use but I'm really excited about is called Gas. It's mm. the one it's um it's actually the number one most downloaded on the social media category in the App Store right now. It but it can only be the same way Facebook can only be used by college students when it started, this one can only be used by high school students right now. And it's all about like giving people compliments, and you can do it anonymously, and it like lets you know that you got it anonymously. And, and it's a, uh, I don't know, it's 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 interesting, but it's all about being positive, I hope
0: it's really kind, and like not creepy. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's people. It's gotten really good feedback. I'm sure there's probably some issues to still be worked out, and that's why it's still so closed down. But mm-hmm. I was excited to see something that's about like gassing people up i thought that was cool so
0: it changes the nature of everything you know it's so funny like one of my parenting go-to's when the girls are fighting i'll just say stop say three nice things about each other right now and it's funny like ruby will get all frustrated and she'll ball up her fist and go ivory i love how you do cartwheels <laughs> ivory, You're really pretty. Ivory, thanks for letting me borrow your shoes. But then it just like diffuses everything.
1: (laughs) It does. And something we actually do on our company updates, we do like a Zoom once a month with everyone on it. And the last 20 minutes are reserved for giving each other shout outs. Like this person did this awesome. And And it's like, it's really fun and everyone has a really good time doing it so
0: I love that it's awesome
1: and sometimes we do a shout out chain too so we'll do an email thread and I usually I start it and I give like five shout outs and then like people add to this thread give your shout outs and it becomes this like just chain of people saying nice things about their teammates and it's really fun I really like it
0: that's cool um it makes me want to do something at a holiday party like a end of the year wrap up shout out wall or something yeah well, we'll have to noodle on that one. Um, thanks so much, Cassie. I always appreciate you always pick up my call. You're always my go to. I always have a bunch of social media questions, but I always find uh, your sage advice very grounding. And um, I am appreciative of all the good things you bring into the world, and uh, am always excited to work with you even more. So thanks for coming on the idea found.
1: Well, thank you for the kind words and thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I
0: appreciate you, Cassie. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Idea Fountain. I started this podcast to shine a light on people who have inspired me and changed my life. I hope you find the conversations useful. Dig in. We're up to about 70 episodes and more to come. I appreciate you signing up for the mailing list, helping spread the word, and we'll all talk again very soon.